1: Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken here, joined by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave?
0: Uh, not too bad, I'm going to make the apology from the off. I'm a bit coffee and a bit snotty because I've got COVID yet again. I'm the reason it's still here, Steve.
1: Yeah, uh, about the, the fifth time you've had it, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I've had it an embarrassing amount of times. It's not, Fun. It's not good.
1: <sighs> Fun. Right big news on Saturday or at least rumours on Saturday and it is the rumours that we've been hearing about for for quite some time now. Um, relief in a way that they're sort of out there in a more public way but um, there's the rumours of of administration for Huddersfield Town, there's rumours that the owners of AZ Altmar want to buy the club, there's the rumours that there's an American group looking to buy the club, all stuff that we've heard whispered over the past several weeks as as we say um the sun reported it on saturday evening um there's a huge amount to one pick here Dave. so where should we start
0: uh well i think that the the report in the sun was headlined by the fact the dutch group were trying to buy it so i think that's probably the obvious place to start and the first thing to say is AZ Outmore are actually quite a well-run, efficient football club. You know who are who are doing quite well and arguably slightly outperforming where they should be. But it does. It, there are sort of some rumours and there are some suggestions that they're sort of wanting to fold town into a bit of a multi club model. We don't know the specific details, but there are there are sort of upsides and downsides to that shall we say, but what do you feel about it?
1: (laughs) I think hard for me to say until we have something more concrete, obviously if there's rival interested parties um, then who knows which of them might end up taking over, Uh, I think this is just the first one that's actually had a name put to it, I wouldn't be that surprised knowing how these things go if one of the other parties were to were to make themselves known in the coming days they may choose not to but you know they might not be terribly happy you would you would think that that one party is being talked about in the media and and another and they aren't so we know that these things have a way of getting out as as they did on Saturday Um, as you say I think AZ have obviously they've been sort of up there um, in in the Dutch first division it's a, a league that I think apart from your, your top two is a pretty similar standard to the championship I think there's obvious benefits there uh, in terms of player sharing um, you know you've got a league that's quite similar to the championship you know we all love Carol Eiting um, for instance when he came in um, we like Yuten who'd come in from Holland um so town have had you know successes um recruiting from from the netherlands uh in just the last couple of years but um and obviously if you could get those players into a league one side uh all the better but as you say details are so thin on the ground at the moment i think we'd need more detail about what their intentions would be how how things would work what what is their vision for the club what are their ambitions what level of funding would they give it This is the thing with, you know, I've had people asking me, why aren't you reporting the rumours? And for one thing, it's none of the official parties have, you know, have have gone on record with me, which makes it difficult. You're dealing with rumours, which are often contradictory with one another. Um but obviously once someone else comes out with it, it then makes it a conversation point. And at that point, we've sort of got nothing to lose by by talking about it. Not to mention when you're talking about administration, there's potentially legalities there. Because if we report that they're looking at going into administration and then they don't, or that turns out to be untrue or turns out to be misleading, potentially uh, I or the examiner can get sued for that. <laughs> so just to... Just to sort of explain a little bit around that.
0: Well, I mean, Steve, you can only deal in what's factual. That's that's the thing. And I know some people have said, why aren't the examiner reporting the rumours? And that's because you've just used the word rumours. You can't... Mm. There's nothing concrete there. There's nothing it's also worth saying that if Steve if you reported every rumor you would mm-hmm. get people saying well the examiner will just print any old crap well that's it <laughs> so if we printed win. every
1: <laughs> if we printed every everything we'd heard on a sort of daily to weekly basis over the past few months we'd never we'd never stop writing retractions and corrections um because everything keeps changing and and you'd also stance... be
0: banned from the football club
1: <laughs> well exactly but you know, it, it, I think it's in some way sort of difficult to talk about these things because, as I say, not just the, the the takeover side of things, but obviously the administration thing. If there's anything, it, there's about six different ways that could go. You know, it could not be true. It could turn out to be a half-truth. It could be something that they have considered and ultimately decide not to do. It could be that they've never considered it at all. It could be that they. it's going to happen, but it's, you know, it's a a means to an end to get a deal done quickly because we we have if you read my explainer article i've linked to the concept of the pre-pack administration which basically is a way of getting a, a sale done done quickly or you know effectively gets a sale done quickly it could be that they go into administration end up liquidate. It could be they go into administration and you know there's about there's about six seven eight ten different ways that, that it could go so we don't have the meat on the bones of that but obviously whenever you're talking about administration people are, are rightly very concerned about it
0: yeah i think the thing about going into administration is that town have a history there that's that's the thing you know it's it's 20 years since they last went into administration and the, the club there was a real danger of the club disappearing you know this mm-hmm. is this is different but I think what some people are struggling with is they feel if they go back into administration, even to facilitate getting a deal done, they feel like there are promises that have been broken. Um, and I think that's fair enough. You know, I, I'm not going to make comment on that either way. But I, I who knows what's going to happen over the next few days? But. What I would say is that my it, this is only my personal take on it. But if you're going into administration because you think you can facilitate a deal doing that better, that's fine. But A, you need to get that deal done very, very quickly. <laughs> you can't you can't sit on it for ages. B, I think you have to be really clear with the fans as to why you've done it. Because ultimately Dean Hoyle said he was going to fund the club for as long as it needed. Um, and this seems to run counter to that and see if 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 a single local business misses out on a pound then it's not been worth it for me if a single employee misses out on a pound then it's not been worth it for me and i think We know the rumours are out there, and Steve, you're exactly right, because if you went and put into print, you know, town are going to go into administration for definite, then obviously that can change the situation, because suddenly all the town's creditors are lining up, knocking on the door, etc. So these are rumours at the moment, but I do think that it's... Yeah, it's it's a big if they do do it. It's a big move and it's a big step, and it needs um, proper explanation and proper justification. To be frank. Yeah,
1: and if whether it happen, you know, and if it doesn't ultimately happen, then I think at a certain point down the line, we need to get more clarity on on what exactly has happened, where the rumors have come from, you know, all of these things. I think that will come in due course. You know, obviously, I've approached the club for comment on takeover stuff and administration stuff multiple times and at this point i know what the answer is going to be i ask anyway because it's you know best practice and you know you never know you might you might get an answer different one day but um they it's no comment consistently yeah either way and not you know no off the record briefs nothing like that so it's uh yeah it it makes things tricky and it is a lot a lot of sort of Wait and see. At the moment, um, I think, I think obviously the the club, whatever happens, need a fresh start, don't they? I, I think when, when Dave Baldwin first spoke back in October about what might happen and and how what the timescales might be, he was keen not to put timescales on it too much. Um, as you say, he did say Dean Hoy would fund the club in perpetuity. He said that they'd had a three year business plan. Um, uh, you know, approved um, for his takeover from Phil Hodgkinson, which has gone completely quiet since we spoke to Dave Baldwin, despite him saying that it was close to the finishing line. And that was, what, five months ago. Um, I think at the time that the sort of the briefing was that they were looking for the right owners rather than a quick sale. Um, But things like rumours of administration make you think, perhaps that priority might have changed obviously ideally you want to do both um, but it, it might be now that they 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 just want to shift it on to, to someone else's hands um, but we'll, we'll need to wait and see as I say there's there's so many different ways it can play out
0: and we do need to wait and see. But we're at a point now where there's been such a vacuum in terms of the news that it's just sucking rumours in towards it. Things are clearly happening. You know, a lot of these rumours, we don't know if there's any basis in them. But we can point to the fact that we have had information from different sources along very similar lines about various things. So it's clear that things are happening it needs to happen quickly at this point you know like there are there are i think legitimately the one thing we both want to say to fans is like legitimately it's fine to be worried and have concerns about this mm-hmm. you know that's that's the thing it's administration is is a big thing you know there are genuine questions are the EFL just going to be all right if town decide to move into administration just to facilitate a bit of a better deal you know (laughs) that's a big risk in and of itself who knows so well
1: yeah I mean everyone's talking about the if they do it before I think it's the fourth Thursday in March I believe you go into administration and you're not mathematically relegated The, the penalty applies this season not next season uh, and uh, you know you can draw your own conclusions from that, given their current league position. But you know, are they, would the EFL actually take a dim view on that? Would they see that as a as a cynical yeah. move? You know, because would they say, th- "No, you're getting it next season"? You know,
0: there is precedent for clubs that they've looked at in terms of transfer stuff and other things, where they believe they have tried to game the system a little bit, where they have re they have looked at. At the punishment, you know, and they have, they have. Uh, so, you know, as I said, to get back to the original point, it's perfectly legitimate to have questions and and worries about this, and that's, that's absolutely fine. But yeah, we can only talk in absolutes on this podcast. We'd love to be able to, we'd love to be able to talk about it in broader terms, and we'd love to be able to put some personal opinion in there. But neither of us can really. But trust us, when it's when it's resolved and we can talk about it, we will. Mm. Talk and the the
1: it. the reason we can't isn't because of anyone putting pressure on us by the way it's simply that as i say there's there's so many different ways it can go that if we offer an opinion on it based on one assumption and then it goes another way or different facts emerge or you know there's another twist because this these rumors have have as i say changed and taken different complexions sort of more positive and then more negative and then more positive again over the past few weeks you know we can offer an opinion based on the information we have now and then tomorrow it might turn out that there's there's more background that we get or, uh, or down the line might be more information that we get and it, it paints it in a di- different light so but I think I think you're exactly right. I think obviously you see administration and that is worrying because administra- you know, administration is or can be rather the first step on the way to liquidation. I think those are extreme examples. I think we know historically most football clubs survive. Um some football clubs are barely affected by it. You know, you look at Wigan for instance, they came back up within two years of of going into administration or You know, obviously, towns, by the skin of their teeth, survived it, but then got promoted straight back um, 20 years ago, having been relegated off the back of their previous financial troubles. At the other end of the spectrum, obviously, you've got Berry. You know, it it can go any number of different ways, and we're just going to have to to wait and see at this point. But, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want anyone to mistake... (laughs) A lack of reporting for a lack of effort uh, on, on my part. But, but you know, I'm not going to dwell on that. But just to go back to my previous point, I, I, as I say, I think it's quite clear that I think fans want a new start, don't they? And I think a lot of people have sort of... Obviously, you're unhappy about it, but I think a lot of people have accepted that League One is, is looking likely now, as we've talked about for a couple of weeks at this point. And... Um, even if they're in League One, I think people can sort of stomach that, not sort of forgive and forget, but I think can stomach it if it does mean that it's a new start. They can try and bounce back quickly. They start putting improvements in place they you know they get the next head coach right they get the recruitment right in the summer and they start showing signs that that things are improving off the pitch and you just hope that whatever happens whether dean hoyle is still sitting there as as you know in charge of the club in in 6 months or whether it's new owners announced on tuesday morning whatever happens i think everyone just wants to go into the first day of next season feeling like they can have a, a good go uh, at the league whatever division they're in um if it is league 1 then then having a proper good go at, at promotion uh if they're in the championship then then you know just having an undramatic mid table season which they obviously historically never have um and that there might be hope for the future because at the moment you know with, with the position they're in and big words like administration being thrown around there isn't much hope at the moment the only hope now really is sort of the hope that they might have some hope soon, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and League One going down to League One is is like that town squad as it is at the moment. Bear in mind the players that are out of contract in the summer, uh, loan players that have got to go back and players, they would players, they would realistically lose as well. Who wouldn't want to play in League One? You know that squad at the moment is not good enough to compete in that league. It will need some investment and it will need some help. So, when you are talking about administration and when you don't know what the uh, what the next move is regarding the owners, etc., you know it is legitimate to have concerns. So,
1: and that's where administration again. Maybe an issue, because who knows what transfer sanctions might be imposed on them. I mean, Alan Nixon's reporting that Town have been put on a transfer embargo list for failing to lodge their accounts on time. Uh, literally, I've just seen that as we're recording, so I need to look into that. But but that's that's the claim that's out there. You know, it's you can still sign players under a transfer embargo, I believe, but you're limited to, to free transfers. Um, so, yeah, it's... I dunno, there's just a lot of questions out there that we'd we'd love to be able to answer for people. Um, but we're just not in a in a position to do that at the moment.
0: Yeah, well that's the thing, isn't it? We don't know what the future holds and that's why I don't think it's just as cut or dry as you you can kind of just accept that if they go into administration the deal gets done a lot quicker and everything's all right. You know, that's why legitimately I think you can you can raise questions about it. <sighs> these are these are big scary decisions really for football fans because they have no control over what is physically happening with the thing that they love and the thing they pour their time and attention and investment to and it is like I say we just want to emphasise that it is perfectly legitimate to have these questions and worries because you know to to give you a peek behind the curtain me and Steve have exactly the same (laughs) questions and worries to be frank you know it's it's we, me and Steve do not want to do this podcast on a football team that is bottom of the championship or struggling to get out of League One. Last season was far more fun for us, Steve, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was.
0: So, yeah, so, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what happens, but I don't... I think the flip side of it is try not to get too worried until there is something, you know, definite, something proper we can say. I mean, the, the transfer embargo thing is just a... a that's a natural recourse from the EFL in terms of yeah. administration. So it's not there's nothing unusual in that, and I'm sure my, if if people are talking about going into administration, they will have been expecting that and prepared for that.
1: Yeah, my um, my my sort of initial reaction. I mean, as I say, I've literally just seen it as we're recording, so I've not had a chance to read it. But my initial reaction is, I know that clubs actually go on and off the transfer embargo list all the time for loads of different dif- well, dude, you know, technicalities.
0: Burnley went on yesterday, didn't they?
1: Did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah there you Bur-
0: go. Burnley have gone on because they... something to do with some accounts that haven't been submitted in time. So yeah, Burnley, so,
1: have... so same, as, same as town then.
0: Yeah, so Burnley are top of the league and they're under a transfer embargo currently.
1: Yeah, these things do happen sort of constantly, so I wouldn't necessarily tie that into what's happening elsewhere um but uh, as i say we'll need to to see on that
0: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: But, I mean, things, it does look like League One. Um, I think Saturday, they actually, Town actually played all right. Um, I think it was kind of similar to the Bristol City performance, but against a better team and away from home. Um, it's, It's difficult for me now to get... Too upset about the fact that they've got nothing in attack because we've known all season they've got nothing in attack, and I think Warnock wasn't going to come in and and wave a magic wand and suddenly make his his front line into a, a team of world beaters. We know that on their day they can be defensively solid. I think apart from the penalty they gave away, West Brom actually had loads of territory, particularly early on. They look quite incisive early on. They find a lot of gaps between the centre backs and the full backs, and then. They, Town worked that out and closed the gap and it's a bit annoying actually because they conceded the penalty just after they had worked it out mm-hmm. um, and looked like shutting the door on it. Um, and But I mean, Thomas Fatchlick didn't actually have a huge amount to do but I think Town did sort of leave their comeback attempt a bit late. Um, we know that Carlos Gordrand's sides will drop deep to defend the lead. Uh, I think it's fair to say uh, and it was only really sort of 65 minutes onwards, 70 minutes onwards, that town started to get a, a front foot in the game. They'd missed a chance through Tom Lee's first half. Kasumi had a massive chance off a really good Waghorn ball, um but it, it, yeah, it's a shame they sort of left it so late to try and get that comeback going. And I know you've got thoughts on this, Dave.
0: Yeah, I, I think. I'm finding Warnock's management quite weird at the moment because I thought they approached the Bristol game like they were a mid-table side, and again were weirdly passive. And I know we can talk about creativity and the players at hand, but I don't. I don't feel like he's throwing the kitchen sink at this at all. You know, three subs on Saturday in ter- uh, in terms of what I would class as or what you could you could certainly tactically dress as attacking subs. And, you know, eight minutes to go was the first one of those. And it, it just felt... I know he changed the shape a couple of times, but, like, if it all feels like everybody's just sort of... I wouldn't say given up, but, like, draws are, are no good, really. And it felt at times against Bristol like they were almost content with the draw and didn't really take the shackles off until the very end and then against west brom i know west brom are a good side and they're away from home but i mean i'm with you i thought i thought for quite a chunk of that game town were quite comfortable i said to you i messaged you during the game and said weirdly town looked quite like carlos corberan's town in that they they sort of they had that sort of back six if you like with the with the two midfielders mm-hmm. sort of dropped in and were nice and tight and compact and they were they were controlling they there was avenues to get out as well when when they needed them but i just i just never felt like they they actually went for it and i i thought neil warnock was coming in to sort of inject some you like chaos energy into it a little bit <laughs> you know to to try and to try and throw the kitchen sink at it to get them out of it to to just have a go and i i kind of feel like If they'd have gone to West Brom and with half an hour to go, they'd have just gone for it to try and get something out of the game and they'd lost 2-0, I I would have gone, do you know what, fine. You know, at least they'd have a go. Whereas a sort of weirdly passive 1-0 loss where they've only really tried to take the shackles off with like eight minutes to go, bear in mind they're in the bottom three. Bear in mind the gap is six points. Just felt weirdly resignation ish to me, you know? And I know we have sort of sat here and say League One is looking inevitable and it's a mountain and all that at this point. But by the same token you'd sort of kind of you'd you'd wanna see that maybe the players and the manager didn't feel like that. Like they were at least gonna try and have a go. I know it's difficult, but I'm just not seeing it at the moment, Steve. I don't know if it's just me but I just don't feel like they're they're rolling the dice at any point, point. and I mean, if you're yeah. not gonna roll the dice at this point, you, you've you, the the tiny
1: chance you had just isn't there, is it? it? It felt I'm I'm sort of halfway to towards you here, I think, because I understand why against Bristol City the, the priority was just keep a clean sheet because they they've just lost for two games, four nil, and I know they need to win the home games, but I think in that context keeping that door shut and giving the players confidence that they can actually see a game out and keep a clean sheet, I think was important, not just sort of defensively, but to give them the confidence to attack in future games. I know there's not a lot of time left, um, but I I think they sort of needed that against Bristol City. I think think fundamentally the issue they've got is that there isn't a lot of pace in that back line. So I think even when you're 1-0 down... (sighs) It's difficult for them to overcommit too early because they're gonna they're gonna get done on the counter if they if they commit everything forward too soon. Like that, they're, they're just you know, and that's that's not a knock. You know, a, a, heaven knows. You know, we've had plenty of praise for for Helic, for Pearson, for Lee's over the past year or two. Um, for basically since they've each been at the club, I think Josh Ruffles last couple of games has looked a lot more assured as well. He's he much better suits that sort of limited left back role where he's basically just there as a an old school left back to defend rather than a sort of a, a modern modern day fullback who's expected to get forward a lot more and basically work as a winger half the time. Um, so in some regards, I get it. It's it sort of The last couple of games, and I said this to you after the Bristol City game, really remind me of like mid period Fotheringham, like just before the World Cup break, where they were, they'd sort of sorted themselves out defensively, but just had still had nothing in attack. And that has been Town's issue all season, you know. And as I say, I, I think they still don't really have enough in attack. At the same time,. You know, I think putting Joe Hungbo on with a minute to go does feel a bit weird when he is one player who you think can go and do that and go and go and get you a goal. Um, mm. So,
0: I, I, I think that I just felt that when, if you're going to get Neil Warnock in and if you're going to give him free reign, which is what Town did to be Neil Warnock, I, I just thought we'd see more Warnock. You know, even mm. in press conferences I'd argue he's been quite subdued quite you know I mean everybody loved his first press conference but since then it's been much of a muchness and it just yeah it really does feel like they kind of kind of resign themselves to league 1 and they're just trying to trying to get through the the rest of the season with as minimal fuss as possible but like there's what how how many games left 10 games left
1: yeah, 10. You know,
0: it, it, it's it's a mountain to climb and they're relying on other people, but you sort of kind of, you want to see something.
1: <laughs> and the, and those other people sort of did them that favour on Saturday. Yeah. Even if they'd got a point, it would have chipped away at it slightly because all of the bottom four ended up losing on the day. Um, so... Well, for,
0: for context, that point would have put them on 33, so five points behind Cardiff. So it's, it's two wins. Now, I know that sounds a hell of a lot, but with that goal difference at the moment you know and, of, games and the fact
1: that they're playing Cardiff
0: yeah they're three games away from Cardiff so it would have put them two games away from Cardiff so but it just I don't know as I said it just felt so passive and it just sort of noticed noticeably to me and I know you can only work with the personnel you've got at hand but I mean, even at one point, I would sort of advocate: Why don't you just, I don't know, stick helicopter to just sharpen his elbows and try, try and he win effectively a few dead balls.
1: in the last five minutes. Yeah,
0: but y- you've got to, you've got to give yourself a proper chance of it. And I just, you know, you you've got to look at it with twenty twenty five minutes to go, haven't you? You you've got to give yourself a run up. And yeah, I just, I don't know. It it just feels at the moment almost. Like, <laughs> I don't know whether they're sort of looking at this run of fixtures and sort of almost writing these off and going, well, if 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 we can have a go, it's going to be after the Norwich game <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. It just feels weirdly um, sort of soporific at times. But, yeah, I, I also kind of get it because we've we've talked about it and there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of nonsense sayings in football. But I think when you have a lot of, Uh, sort of when you have things happening off the pitch I think it does affect the club as a whole you know I do think that it's that Mm. slight uncertainty etc subconsciously it does affect things and affect people so maybe there's a bit of that as well which again only really proves that they need to get something sorted ASAP really but it just feels like they're walking into it again and I, I I, thought the whole point of getting Warnock in was that they were going to try and fight against it and, you know, kick up a bit of a fuss and, if nothing else, kick some legs and, you know, push some people over. And it just doesn't even feel like that's there at the minute.
1: Yeah, I think it sort of, it maybe depends how you see Warnock's role. Because he, he himself has said that he's been brought in to basically help calm things down um, off the pitch. and sort of effectively buy them a little bit of time with the fans obviously the rumors on Saturday will have sort of pushed that back into a bit of a frenzy again but I think and he's also said that he he sees no value at this point in in putting a rocket up the players and you know heaven knows Neil Warnock is not generally against doing that but I think he's come in and seen the squad he's got and and the issues they've had and sort of thought well we can only do our best with this there's no point in sort of asking them to suddenly become a team that's going to beat <laughs> half the top half the problem is is that if they're going to stay up they have to beat half the top half so yeah i don't know i'm kind of torn on it because i can i can understand why the principle that putting extra pressure on the players may actually be unhelpful and might actually be the worst thing for them. You know, maybe he did that before Burnley and Coventry. I mean, he didn't against Burnley, but maybe he did that before Coventry found it didn't work and then has found that there's no need, you know, that he uh, that it's actually counterproductive. Who knows? You know, he's he's quite guarded about conversations that he has with players. You know, Warnock will, be, will offer, offer an honest view on pretty much anything, but... Whenever you ask him about what he said to the players, his response is always he will hint at it, but he'll generally say, "Well, that's that's for the dressing room, that's for me to know, really." Mm. But so I,
0: just, I think we had the Birmingham game where we saw a lot of things, and they got the win, and yeah, you know, they were a bit lucky, but we were all like, "Well, that's exactly what they needed to kick on." But then we've had Burnley, Coventry, Bristol, West Brom, and I just I don't see any of Warnock's personality in the team at the moment. I don't, I don't see any of it, and that is what I'm struggling with a little bit. And I know, you know, I know he's not had loads and loads of time and him. He's not had months and months with him. But I just thought at this point, you know, we we would see a little bit of that personality in the side. And I just, it may be there, and I'm missing it, Steve. Who knows? But uh, I'm, I'm just not seeing it. And I think. There's a home game this week against Norwich who are a good side but they are very beatable. They are very up and down you know as Yeah they, they are. On, on Sunday they're, they're the thing about Norwich is if you I hate like, I'm going to fall into cliches here Steve but do you remember Wenger's Arsenal where everybody worked out if you spent the first 10-15 minutes kicking them you could beat them basically. Norwich are a little bit like that. You know, I hate to be a bit proper football man about it, but they've got quite a few players that if you if you get on top of them early, you you take them out of the game. And it'll be interesting. They're a good side, and they, they're they a typical Wagner side in that, you know, shape is everything and system is everything. But they are beatable. You, they are beatable, you know. Particu- they're particularly soft at the back as well, I would say. So... Be interesting to see how they go for it. Really, I'm unfortunately not going to be able to be there. I'm because of because of the COVID. Or I can't see myself being there, but I'll be watching, and it will be, it will be interesting because I think even though everybody looks at it on paper and goes, it's Norwich and they're really good and they've got some good players and David Wagner's the manager. I think when you scratch below the surface, you can have a go at them. So, I think it's kind of a game to, to, to try and have a go at them. Really,
1: yeah. That as you say, they're a they're a funny side Norwich Um, when you look at the recent results there's you know they've drawn drawn away to Wigan for instance they've lost to Bristol City but they've also battered Preston 4-0 away from home they've battered Coventry 4-2 away from home and we know you know I know Coventry were in a bit of a tough spell at that point but you know that the the we know that they're a good side on their day. They've won away to to Millwall, but then they've lost to Sunderland, who previously had been in really awful form. Because Sunderland at a certain point were looking like they were going to push for the playoffs, and then they've had an awful run, and then they've gone and beaten, gone away to Norwich and won. That they're kind of our friend Ryan runs a dice football league, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Where it's the results are determined by the roll of a dice, and Norwich feel a little bit like like that at the moment. Um, I think if the, if Town are showing any worn at personality, I think it has been sort of at the back over the past couple of games. As I say, I think Bristol City had had some quite big chances that they they let slip by, but I think Town overall deserve the clean sheet, particularly with Vatchlick playing well. You know, I th- and and then as I say, West Brom for all their possession and territory, particularly early on in the first half. I can't remember too many sort of massive chances they had. And the the, the winning goal they got was only through a penalty that I think Warnock was quite disgusted that they they gave away in the first place. I'm sort of, I think Pearson had to make a challenge there. But I think it was a clumsy tackle and he can do better. But I can also understand why he maybe felt he was in a position where he had to just make a challenge and hope for the best. Um, (laughs) Kind
0: Kind of wasn't a challenge. It was kind of fell into him. It was. Uh, it, it, I, I don't quite know what he was doing, but I'm with you. I think he he tried to do something, but I think <laughs> he had a couple of options and didn't choose any of them.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they they went. They are go. They're doing the man for man thing. I don't know if people sort of pay attention to what they're doing off the ball, but they are very closely man for man. It is like Carlos in his first season at town. And and I I remember we said that season, the only other team that were doing it was Neil Warnock's Middlesbrough. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why you ended up with those issues early on where there was that massive gap between the centre-backs and the full-backs at times because West Brom would pull the full-backs wide and then they'd just send a runner down into that massive gap. And then... Town actually figured it out, you know, I think we saw, I think still Josh Grover playing more as a right back than as a, a winger in that mm-hmm. game, to be honest, and obviously Ben Jackson was was doing the same on the other side, so I think there's there, there are Warnock traits in there, I think Helic and, and Lees um, have been better the past couple of games as well, particularly, well, Lees had that nightmare, didn't he, against Coventry, uh, let's be honest, and then um, as did Hellick and sorry Lees had a nightmare against Burnley didn't he? and then yeah. Hellick had a nightmare against Coventry um, mm. but they've both been a lot better the last couple of games I think Jonathan Hogg has done a really good job with his man marking John Swift one of the most dangerous attack midfielders in the championship I think had a relatively quiet game uh, other than that that early spell of pressure uh, which I think speaks well of of the job that Hoggy did but as you say in attack we've They've just got nothing, but that's that's been the case for a long time. I, maybe now, I wouldn't be surprised if Warnock's attitude was like try and just get a point away from home because even just getting to a point, um, I think is, I think even let's be honest, last season we were saying any points away from home were fine. I think a point per game away in the championship is a perfectly acceptable return, but they they need to win the home games, and obviously you know Norwich is one of them. Um, And I think there is a line. I'll I'll be honest. I have thought a few times. I don't think Warnock. I don't think Mark Fotheringham would have got away with saying some of the things Neil Warnock has said. But Warnock gets away with them because he's Warnock. You know. Imagine if Fotheringham were saying, I don't think we've got a chance of staying up because we're not scored in four games. Yeah. you know but but Warnock can say that and people just accept it as him being honest and straightforward you know yeah. he's also you know he's also not been shy about criticizing players at times and again I think if Fotheringham had done that um people would be saying he's throwing them under the bus but but Warnock is Warnock you know what you're getting you know he's going to do that so people sort of accept it um but yeah i don't know i i've sort of I'm not it's not to say I've checked out I'm still interested in the games uh, I still would like them to just to, to stay up obviously ideally um but I've sort of after the Coventry game as we talked about last week sort of reconciled myself to the fact that I think they they probably are going down and it feels like Warnock is there too and I I I again sort of torn between thinking that is fair enough and thinking but do you need to be a bit more spirited than that I don't know
0: I think I, I, I just think from the fans point of view with everything else that's going on I just think being a bit more spirited could go a long way really on the pitch because I just I think town fans would forgive a town team losing 2-0 to Norwich if they came away thinking they've thrown everything at it. You know, and they've just picked us off on the break because they're a good side. But we've had a really good go at trying to pick three points up at home. Um, Yeah. You know, like the Bristol game, I just didn't feel like that at any point, Steve. And it was... It's a strange club at the moment because there feels like there's a lot of feels like everything's up in the air it feels like that's reflected on the pitch somewhat it feels to be frank it feels like that's reflected in the dugout as well Um, so it's just it's a strange club to talk about at the moment it's a strange club to be a fan of we appreciate it's a strange club to analyse because you know, I'd love to be sort of picking stuff out tactically or really digging into some stats and stuff, but I, I can't tell you anything you can't see with your own two eyes at the minute. <laughs> you know, there's there's very little beyond what they're the very, very obvious there. So, yeah, here's hoping we get some, some sort of definitive news soon and everybody can click into another gear, because at the moment everybody feels like they're kind of stuck in neutral.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice to get to get something, some clarity over the the next few days, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, cool. What what you've recommended for music, Dave?
0: Uh, I'm gonna struggle here because I've done nothing but lie in bed and cough. Yeah, um, but I've gone. I've, I've go on. I. I've, uh, <coughs> I On BBC Sounds, the good old BBC, an institution I love and cherish and very much support their presenters having views, if they want to have views, uh, have put, uh, I think, six series of the Shuttleworths and some some other of John Shuttleworth's various podcasts and shows up there. So I've just been sat there trying to work my way through them, having a little chuckle because they're just nice and gentle and occasionally funny. And when you got COVID that goes a long way.
1: <coughs> cool. Yeah, I've I've not listened to anything this week. So I don't know. Well go and listen
0: but, to the shuttleworths.
1: Yeah. There you go. All right. Cheers, Dave. Uh and yeah, hopefully we can if there is if there is other news later this week then maybe we'll jump on and, and talk about it. But uh yeah, keep an eye on on the website in the meantime and something else to mention because I keep forgetting uh, I'm doing the big sleep out uh, next weekend uh, next Friday night so that's the uh, what's that the 23rd 24th Friday the 24th of February uh, not just me obviously it's uh, a load of other people have volunteered to do it as well it's an annual thing for the club where people can go and have a, a sleep in the, the John Smith Stadium which is designed to raise awareness for for homeless charities um, and, and you know, other organisations. We're raising money for Town Foundation and local homeless charities as well um, and, and uh, anti-poverty charities. If you want to donate, thank you to everyone who has donated so far. Uh, I am going to shout out everyone who has. Um, so Mark Bradley, Ed Smith, Tom Neal, Vanessa Adams, uh, and someone called Alexandra Chicken, who may or may not have given birth to me. Uh, thank you to all of you for, for your donations. If you would also like to donate, whether that's a fiver or or something more, uh, you can go to tiny.cc forward slash chickensleep. That's tiny.cc forward slash chickensleep. Uh, and we I've set a target at £500. We're currently on £410, uh, so if we could get to £500 before the end of this week, that would be great, and then maybe we'll look at a new target next week. So thank you to everyone who's donated or who is about to donate, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>